Fair. It seems fair. Uh, hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Bible and Banter with Mike Alex and myself, Eric Reynolds. Uh, it is the Christmas season, Mike, so we're going to talk about Christmas stuff. Uh, and it seems like every time Tuesday comes around, we're like searching for topics. Maybe we need to take a break. Uh, mm. And I actually meant to talk to you about that, but I wasn't able to get on as early as I'd like to pre-show because I was talking with Matt. So. Mm. And getting coffee. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, we might take a break here sometime yeah. soon. I don't think that would be the worst thing, especially for people to feel relieved not to have to tune in as well. Mm. I think it would be good for everybody. I mean, because really, are you, are you really anybody if you don't listen or watch to the show? No. You know, like you're not. So, so we are appointment viewing. That's, that's exactly right. Talking about appointment viewing, uh, I missed last night's Patriots game, man. But it seems like they uh, it was quite the one to watch. Uh, It was fast. Okay, first of all, Erica's going to chime. My wife's going to chime in that I slept through most of it, which is untrue. I was in and out because okay, uh, it was I was just tired. Late night games are not my thing, Uh, Mm -hmm. but I did catch enough of it. Not enough. I caught to know what the game line was and to be able to know exactly what was happening. But man, it was insane. Uh, yeah, the fact that the Patriots could win, not throw, throwing the ball three times the whole game, only once in the first half. It was crazy. I was a little annoyed because I'm like, Bill, just let the guy unload. I mean, Josh Allen's having some success throwing the ball. Not enough, obviously, to win the game, but he's connecting. It's not. So give Mac a chance, but nope, they stuck to their game plan. And this was one where Belichick uh, won, you know, they yeah. like the ball. It was, it was fascinating. It was, it was, it was, it definitely wasn't one where you felt like this is, this game is over. It was yeah. definitely th- to the very end. Monday, you know, night games are tough. I think, you know, to watch and in, in being here in North Carolina. So, you know, I'm of course a lifelong Patriots fan, my some of my most vivid memories uh, as a kid are those of watching the Pats w- when I was I was a kid. I remember some of those, um, the snowball game and with Adam Vinatieri and all that stuff. Hmm. Um, I was a teenager at that point, but um, being down here, you know, we don't catch the the Pats games, you know, because it's not they're not uh, nationally televised as often as as they used to be when when Brady was in town. But hmm. I still listen to some sports talk radio, and it and it from a distance, it at least seemed like the Pats were, uh, goodness gracious, man, looked like they were going to be, have another top 10 pick, uh, in the draft. And now they're at the top of the AFC just goes to show, man, like, uh, like with life, uh, sports, you can never count anybody out. Um, so, so it's exciting to be a, a Patriots fan, um, even from a distance. So, uh, mm. yeah, but, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So night games are tough, man, especially like I play, you know, I usually play hockey once or twice a week and like Sunday night I had a game at 1030. I didn't get home till I didn't get home till about 130 ish uh, Monday morning and in bed by two after I get home and take a shower. And uh, tonight uh, it's going to be the same thing, man. <laughs> uh, so I got like a 1030, 1045 game um, and it, it, it sucks because it, it, I still wake up early like i usually wake up sometime between 5 30 and 6 and and it's hard to break that when uh even if you stay out late so Mm. uh so yeah it's hard to justify staying up until 
you know, midnight, one o'clock in the morning watching a football game when I do it another night or two out of the week. So, yeah. 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 But no, uh, it was a good game. It was a good game. Yeah. So, so last week you shared with me when we got, I think it was last Wednesday or Thursday, you'd asked for my address. You said, Hey, uh, I'm sending you something or mm-hmm. Erica was sending me something mm-hmm. or us something. I, I don't know. We haven't received mm-hmm. it yet, but every day I told you every day I was going to eagerly go to the mailbox awaiting whatever it is coming from the Alex household. And I've, and I've yet to receive it. Yeah. Um, it hasn't every been day mailed is a yet. disappointment. Yeah. It hasn't been, it mailed, hasn't yet. been mailed yet. <laughs> no. Oh my goodness. So, so uh, you you kept saying like, Oh, do you want to, do you want to know what it is? Uh, and I kind of like surprises, but don't like surprises. You know what I mean? Like I'm one of the guys that actually secretly likes. Um, so she, so Erica chimes in. I told him to tell you to wait. I'm so sorry. It's okay, Erica. I appreciate it. Um, please don't get too excited. So I have said that. Here. I have told you not to get too excited. <laughs> so let me tell you, let me tell you what I did. Um, so, so I started thinking about it, right? Because that's just my personality is I overthink things and, and I, and I, and I just can't get away from it. So, um, so I was talking with Rob and I said, you know what it is? It's probably a Christmas card. I bet you it's a Christmas card. And then I said, wait, we're not sending them a Christmas. Oh my goodness. So I'm like, Hey man, we need, do we have any extra Christmas cards? And she goes, and so she's like, Oh, I'm not so sure. You know, blah, blah, blah. I think we mailed them all out. And I'm like, Oh my goodness. We're terrible. So, so then uh, she discovers, she finds, uh, I don't know where she found it, but my wife just, she, she, she's almost like God. She can create out of nothing. Uh, so she, <laughs> Uh, was able to to find I don't know how but miraculously discovers one last Christmas card and um and so one of those may or may not be in the mail and we also sent you guys a little gift yep nice. so boom yep so whatever it is even if it's a Christmas card I'll be I'll be happy I'll be overjoyed that you guys thought of thought of us you know what this is gonna turn into? You know that episode of The Office where Andy and Dwight are trying yes, to I know. I, I'm thinking the same thing. So, <laughs> so, so I was th- so the, the gift is small. It's a small gift. Like, yeah. like there's no reason to reciprocate. But I was thinking, like, oh man, should I just go like super big on a gift and like make them feel bad? But then, like, but then I thought I'm okay making Mike feel bad. I don't want to make Erica yeah. feel bad. So that's so. Anyway, yeah. yeah, that's uh, that's, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. So, and once those gifts are revealed, I can't wait to share with with our, our audience so that they can uh, <laughs> judge us. So, it's, it's, one, um, it's one of these a chewy granola, a chewy bar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I probably we have like this big. Uh, we have like a bucket uh, or a box or I don't even know what to call it uh, in our pantry that has all kinds of different random snacks in it. And I bet you there's probably 10 chewy bars that are three years old in there. Uh, <laughs> Sitting down on the bottom because you just put the new stuff on top. Yeah, that's what you do. So, yeah, yeah. Um, what else is going on uh, other than our gift wars that are soon to uh, soon to happen? Oh, goodness. Uh Really, just kind of, you know, making it get making our way through to to Christmas and and uh, my vacation right after Christmas. You're going on vacation? 
well, taking a vacation. I I don't necessarily think we're going anywhere, but mm. the at December twenty seventh through the beginning of the year, we're uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're we're I'm taking my last week of vacation for the year. How much vacation do you get? You don't even you don't know how many three three, three weeks three weeks. Oh, okay, okay, nice, nice. Uh, you're not like Luke. Luke was perpetually on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we were talking uh, right before we came on air because there was uh, some recent articles published on Evan Christian Voices. By the way, mm-hmm. if you don't subscribe, you can subscribe on the website to emails. So, so we don't uh, publish them on Facebook until usually a day or two after they're published on, on the website, evanchristianvoices.com, I believe it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so they go out in like a newsletter daily um, when people publish articles. And um, one was written by by Mark Plum last week that I've that I engaged with, and um, so we we're talking a little bit about that. But you know, at the for anyone who watches this show and knows Mike or I, and especially myself, because I've been quite vocal about theological fragmentation, which is actually a term that um, that uh, Steve Brown has used, and he's published articles about that previously, not just on, on Ever Christian Voices, but in different other spheres as well. Um, but essentially, the, the wide tent theological or broad tent that we have as a denomination, um, but my associate pastor, Matt Rice, is actually um, doing some research in that area um, for a class that he's doing at Gordon-Conwell. And he went to Charlotte yesterday to read and search as many henceforth issues, which is a publication um, that that uh, Berkshire had had its hands on and then ACGC and looking at like, hey, what have people written about this in the past? You know, having a statement of faith, having it, you know, in, in where we're at and largely, I mean, the big the big topic within our denomination that people are most concerned about, including myself, is. Uh, the Trinity and and the Orthodox view of the Trinity. So it it at least seems that the majority of ever Christians uh, believe in the Orthodox view of the Trinity, but there are segments that don't or portions that don't, and that's troubling because for many of us, the Trinity is kind of like a a, a, a central, if one of the most central, if not the most central, uh, issue in what it means to be a Christian. So, um, so anyway. Matt made the observation that uh, a lot of folks who are non-Trinitarians, like you, you look in henceforth, you look in these other articles and in the archives, there's just not a lot written from that perspective. So most of the people that are writing are those who are in favor of the Trinity. So it's just really hard to pin down, well, what is it that people believe uh, that are non-Trinitarian about the nature of God? And, and how difficult that is for us to even have a conversation within our, 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 our house um, as Advent Christians because people aren't writing uh, about it. So uh, I encourage you, if you know someone who is non-Trinitarian, um, you know, I can't. Tom's our, our editor. I'm the president of Advent Christian Voices. But without having conversation with Tom, I know we'd be at least in favor if, if you have 
articles that you would like to write and say, hey, I'm non-Trinitarian. This is our view of the nature of God. I think we'd be happy to publish it, um, as, you know, particularly with a note within that article. Hey, this does not speak towards the or, or speak in favor of the statement of faith or anything like that, because our policy has been pretty much anybody can write for us as long as they're an Advent Christian and, and uh, adhere to the statement of faith that was passed in 2017. So um, anyway. So funny story about that, thinking about um, people not wanting to write like those that maybe affirm a more non-Trinitarian theolo theological point, not writing much. Um, I remember when I was at Gordon Conwell, I was doing a, some research on in my Advent Christian the, uh, history class because we had mm -hmm. to take two classes: Advent Christian history, Advent Christian theology. <laughs> um, and this was one of my first classes with Dr. Isaac, and I can't remember what exactly my topic was, but I remember being in the Adventual collection that is in the the catacombs of the Gordon Conwell Library in a back, uh, dimly lit room closet. Um, and that's where they have like it a is. Lot of it is pretty crazy, man. It's yeah. like that little tiny room. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I was going through some uh, some of the old uh, newspapers, like Signs of the Times, and this, that, and the other thing. And I found this section of letters to the editor type uh -huh. of thing. And there was a, a, a small blurb, a very short small blurb. And I wish I had written down the date, the time, but I did not. Uh, and I'm really kicking myself for this, but it was interesting because the editor, I can't remember who it was, but the editor wrote like a little blurb telling people that they will not be publishing opinions or articles um, about liberal theology like non-Trinitarianism and, and conditional immortality. So I didn't do much more research. I just thought it was interesting. I mentioned it in my class, but it's, it's interesting because in those days, non-Trinitarianism, if I just from that one little blurb, it was interesting because it seemed to be that the conditional immortality people and the non-Trinitarian people were lumped, either were the same or were lumped in as the same group of people. Before huh. we became a before we became a denomination, uh -huh. but during wow, the Millerite during the Millerite movement, that's fascinating. Yeah, that's and I did another I did another paper on this guy George Storrs, who was like an itinerant minister. Yeah, he wrote these things called the Six Sermons. Um, but it's funny because he actually, I think, eventually became a uh, universe a bit of a universalist, or at least a you can come to faith after your death like there'll be a second mm -hmm. chance type of thing universal reconciliation i believe yeah something something to that yeah. effect yeah but yeah anyway. that's interesting man it's it's important for us you know um it's important for us to understand the the great tradition that is christianity that we've had for the last two thousand years but also trace it through um to where we are now right so i had a i had a social media interaction the other day i posted the athanasian creed and, um, and someone, uh, you know, exactly what I'm, what, so someone had said, um, cause it mentions in their Catholic. So for those of you who, who don't know, I just want you to uh, just, just understand this Catholic and Roman Catholic are two very different things. Catholic. Can I, can I, go ahead. 
go ahead. I just want to pause because whenever we like do the Apostles' Creed in church, um, I, I, either we don't talk about creeds enough or people just aren't really paying attention, but I, I can't tell you the number of times, even when I put an asterisk that says universal church mm-hmm. next to the word Catholic, people, because we, we just call them Catholics, we don't call them Roman Catholics. And, mm-hmm. um, and so when I saw that comment, I, I was like, Anyway, I'm going to keep it to myself. But well, he, here's here here's here's where I draw a distinction, Mike, and I think you'll agree. Um, it, it I understand the hey someone someone who's a Christian asking that you know uh, someone who someone who's a lay member of your church, um, someone who's unfamiliar with church history. Though I think it's as important for us to to have a working knowledge of church history and a growing knowledge. I'm not telling you you need to be uh, Thomas Kidd. I'm not telling you you need to be, you know, uh, um, uh, what's his name? Chuck or, or Noel, uh, Mark Knoll. Uh, uh, yep. and, and so I'm not even telling you going to, you know, be like, be like us who, who read it either uh, continually or, or occasionally. I'm just saying having a working knowledge kind of like of, I think I think your knowledge of the church, your historic knowledge of the church, should at least match your historic knowledge of world and United States history. So, so that's where I put it on on that's that's the gauge. So, anyway, at least working to get to that to that point, um, pastors should know. Pastors should absolutely know have, have a greater understanding of church. Why are we here? How did we get here? Because it helps you, um, it helps you navigate the church and the Christian faith with a, a greater understanding of of different traditions within the church, how we've gotten to where we are. Um, to say I'm Protestant and not Catholic is to not be Protestant. Um, so, you know, our great heroes of the faith um, that that came out of the Reformation and and followed afterwards. Never would have said they weren't Catholic. They would have very much said they were Catholic. Um, even at some point, they would have considered themselves Roman Catholic and later on Catholic as in the universal church. We've always been, or at least understood things in a, in, in a level of Catholicity. So, okay. Yeah, I, the, the, burden, the burden is on those who claim to be pastors that make a statement like that. But when a statement is made like that, like I'm Protestant, not Catholic, especially if they don't, it just makes me think, okay, so obviously there's a a level of lack of understanding of terms Mm -hmm. of what we're talking about, which does not give me confidence for those that then follow up with, with, uh, oh, I'm also not Trinitarian. So if, if you can't, if you're not going to understand the difference between saying Protestant and Catholic, not Roman Catholic, but just Protestant and Catholic, then I'm not quite sure I'm going to, that I, I'm going to believe that you have right understanding of Trinitarian theology to say I'm not Trinitarian. Yeah, I, I agree, Mike. I, I agree. And it's very, it's discouraging in a sense, right? So, so I've had conversations with, with you, with, with friends of mine in our denomination and gone like, Bro, I don't know. I don't know if this is my home, right? Like, like, can I call this home when, when essentially you're talking about, pa- like, how many, how many pastors? If you, if you pulled our, our, our clergy in the denomination, 
how many would be lost in the sauce? How many, when, when you use the term Catholic would go, I'm not Catholic, I'm Protestant. And, and I don't know the answer to that. And I want to give you the benefit of the doubt, but there's a, there's almost like a pride of anti-intellectualism, um, a pride in one's ignorance that to me doesn't align with the historic Protestant and Catholic faith and what we're called to in the Christian faith. So like, it's just hard for me to grasp. Um, and I came from the Southern Baptist convention that listen, we have a great deal of similarities. Advent Christians do with the Southern Baptists as far as polity is concerned. Um, and theological, uh, like they have a wide tent, um, theologically, you might not realize it, but I'm telling you, if you understand Baptist polity and Baptist, like what they believe, you can go look up the Baptist faith and message because one person had said, oh, an Advent Christian couldn't, couldn't agree with that. Ah, you can actually like, like surprisingly, there's not a, a requirement to believe in eternal conscious torment. Like you might think so. Um, cause that would be the big, big thing, but you know, you look at this and it is discouraging to me at least because I think, you know, in, in our network of pastors, clergy, churches, and leaders, you, you want to be united with people who you can go to battle with for the mission of God. And I mean, then the, you know, when I say go to battle, like you can cooperate in missions, you can cooperate in, in church revitalization, planting, raising up of pastors, but if we don't, if our clergy essentially don't have to have any under like any knowledge of church history, any knowledge of historical and biblical and systematic theology, any knowledge of how to rightly interpret the word of God, then man, that what are we doing here, man? Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's not what we're supposed to talk about today, but. You, know. I, you just need to get it off your chest every, every couple months. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's not you. It's me. <laughs> hey, but I wanted to encourage you, you know, the, I was actually thinking about this in the car today, dropping my kids off to school. I was just, I was thinking about you cause I love you and I hate to see you frustrated oh. or discouraged and everything like that. But I was just thinking, I want to encourage you to hold on, hang in there. Uh, because I, I was, I was thinking about the whole idea of change and the winds of change. And for someone like you who loves church history, what the thing about church history is it tells us that things don't change very quickly when you're trying to change a whole, a huge entity, Mm -hmm. you know, change might be quicker and not easier, but quicker in a local church because it's really the way we've done church for so long is focused on one guy who's the visionary, you know, he's leading us in a direction. And so change might happen a bit quicker bit quicker, not necessarily totally quicker. But when you're thinking, you know, denominational wide, I mean, you're combating decades, if not a century worth of issues Mm -hmm. that just aren't going to, aren't going to be tackled in a, in a quick short amount of time. So I want to, I want to just encourage you in that, but then again, but then again, you might not feel like you're, you're, you're up for the fight. And if it, it might not be worth it, but I just want to encourage you, don't get too discouraged by the fact that things might not be resonating immediately and seeing mm-hmm. an immediate impact. I, I think there is going to be an impact by your, your ministry and our denomination, but at the same time, 
you got to go with where the Lord has put your convictions. Yeah. Well, thank, thanks, Michael. I appreciate it. And I love you too, man. Um, I'm grateful to have guys like, like you and, and others in my life to speak and encourage and, and whatnot. I, I think, you know, I kind of, you know, you've talked about your own, um, your own kind of like battles with, with being an Eeyore type, right. Kind of being downtrodden quite a bit. And I, and I've shared in article form and here on the podcast, I've shared it in my church. You know, I've battled depression um, and all kinds of things. So it, to, it, it's almost, I almost feel like uh, my whole childhood was kind of like being gaslit before I even knew what that term meant. So like, if you spend the first, yeah. you know, 18, 20 years of your life being gaslit all the time, you kind of question reality. Like you, yeah. like you don't know, am I perceiving this correctly or not? So like, I just have, it's almost like for me, when I, when I would, when I discovered Jesus, when I discovered the Christian faith, I found the answers I was looking for. I found um, a level of certainty and joy in, in all these things I was looking at. And then when I discovered the confessions, the creeds and all that, and it just, everything made so much sense to me. And, and then I ended up here in, in the ever Christian denomination, not knowing like I, I didn't know I was a couple years in before I realized uh, the issues um, and still along the way, learning more and more, I go like, man, is this, and this is, I think what I said to you last week was, is it good for my mental health? Is it good for my emotional health to be at a place where it's kind of like um, where there, the only embrace is uncertainty, right? Like, Oh, you can't really know. And, and it's and, and like, it's almost like a tearing back of the foundation that I thought I found. Um, and it's like, is that, is that what's best for my soul? And, you know, so, so it's, it's been an ongoing battle. It, it's hard. It's hard. It, it's very difficult, but I value the relationships I have here too. Um, so I don't know, man. I don't know. The Lord's no, I, I feel you. I feel it. It's almost like you're sold a, a false bill of goods. Like, Hey, look, look at all this. Well, you know, actually you were, you were hooked for the same reasons. A lot of us were hooked because of the relational and close knit mm -hmm. feel of it. But those relationships are not necessarily built on a good structure or a theological acumen of our of our conference, our our denomination. And so I think a lot of a lot of the issues, that's why things haven't changed is because we're more relational than we are theological. Mm, yeah. Um, and, and which isn't necessarily that's not necessarily be a bad thing, but at some point the push needs to come to shove and we have to say at what point do we need to need to make that hard decision that we're going in this theological direction mm -hmm. and, and the relationships, if the relationship can't withstand it, then maybe there wasn't really a relationship there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, I'm, you know, uh, so you, myself and, and you and I are friends with a lot of the same, same folks in our denomination, we share, I mean, there's a good, I don't know, couple dozen of us that feel fairly are aligned fairly closely theologically um, who, who want to see a greater, um, a, a greater theological foundation laid and uh, in, in kind of pointing in, in that direction, take things, I think a little bit more seriously. Um, but, you know, I just, 
if it weren't for those relationships, you know, um, that, you know, genuine love, right? Like genuine love for, for one another, for others. You know, I, I think of, um, I think of one guy, um, I think of one guy in particular, like Glenn Rice, who brought me into the dinner. He hired me as the youth guy at, at Oak Hill. Um, and he, just a solid, like one of the best people I've ever met, man. Just, just an awesome person, awesome man of God, always willing to, to, um, listen for the Lord's direction. Um, and, and I don't want to like leave those relationships. You know, that really, that's really what's hot. It's not the theology that's tied me here. It's it's, it's sure. But on well, the other, on the other side, because I've had this. You know, John Roller has shared with me through social media. He's like, "Listen, if what you guys want is a creed and a confession and all, and and, and honestly, I don't care for us to have a confession. That's not what I've called for. I've essentially called for us to say, let's at least have conversations about this stuff and draw up a a more robust statement of faith of what we think." Mm-hmm. Um, what we believe the Bible says, but he's essentially saying, Hey, you can, you can do one of two things. You can, uh, you can create your own creed, your own confession, and you guys sign it. And then you can be your own little, uh, band within the denomination or, uh, or leave, you know, uh, because you're trying to change something that has existed this way, uh, since the 1860s, uh, you're the newcomers, right. Um, and, and in conversation with other folks who are more, what, who have greater knowledge of ever Christian history than I do. Like, no, actually this has been a, we've been talking about this thing for a very long time. Um, so it's not, we've just been at point. We've been at this point for a long time and we've not really matured theologically um, like other denominations have or other movements. So um, yeah. Anyway, the future, the future uh, is bright. I think, um, you know, there's a lot of positive things that are happening within our denomination that I'm encouraged by, but um, theology is probably not one of them, unfortunately. So, well, well, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, you know, Mark might might have a, an interesting idea to bring the. What do you think, Robin would be interested? I think Erica would be uh, averse to it, but I could probably, I could probably convince her. Robin, Robin's not one to be in front of people. Uh, she like, that's just not her bag. Uh, we, I, I told her last minute a couple weeks ago that she, that she and I were going to do the Advent readings on, on, on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And I thought I was going to get cut. Like I thought she was going to shank me, man. Uh, <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so I was able to find somebody to do it last minute for me. Um, cause, cause it was a reading part for, for two people, not just one person. So, um, so yeah, Robin's not. Robin doesn't care to be out in front or or anything like that. So so funny. Hey, good transition to Christmas tradition and Advent readings. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so funny story. I, I'll see if Erica can help me find the video for it, and I'll text it to you or, or whatever. Maybe we'll share it on Facebook so those who are friends can can see it. But the last time my family did an at the advent reading um here at the church i think my middle child knocked over the wreath and the podium it was on (laughs) and so it all fell on the floor (laughs) thankfully we had not lit it yet (laughs) but i'm i'm still i'm still doing the reading while i'm picking up the wreath and trying to put it all back on 
Yeah, 2017. That's awesome. <laughs> Dude, your your family has gone through so much like Dude. Uh, awkwardness uh, in your church. Dude, and so this past Sunday I did a, a baby dedication. Oh, one candle was lit? Oh, okay. Well, it didn't catch fire at least, but we did a baby dedication. It was the funnest, most chaotic one that I've done yet. Um, because the little boy, he was just adopted. He'd been in foster care for a couple years and just sweet boy, crazy boy. But he got in front and he didn't want anything to do with it. And so like the whole time I'm trying to do the reading and everything, he's screeching either at me or making eye contact with people in the audience, screeching, no, <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> I go to put my hand on his back to pray for him. He's like squirming out of it saying no. And I put my hand on his dad's shoulder to, to keep praying. And he's trying to rip my hand off his dad's shoulder. It was, uh, it was, it was precious. It was that kid's awesome. going to be a future pastor. Yeah. You watch. Um, uh, but uh, yeah. And, and I don't think I ever told you about this one. There was one time. So we have a big baptistry at the front of our church. That's kind of hidden, kind of like yours. Uh-huh. Uh, it doesn't have that bit nice cutout that you have. But anyway, I decided, you know, it's such a pain to like reorient so that we're, you know, perpendicular to the, to the congregation. So I'm going to see if I can dunk this guy. And well, we're just facing forward still. And, uh, and, but instead of, I should have had him take a couple steps forward before doing it. <laughs> and so I go to, I go to dunk him and all of a sudden I hear thud. <laughs> and I, I hit the back of his head a little bit on the back of the, 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 the baptismal. Uh, I was like, all right, never doing that again. He, he handled it real well. It wasn't a hard hit, but it was enough to like, what just happened? But anyways, yeah, so I, I, I've done lots of, lots of, so, so yeah. the old, the old joke of, Oh, I haven't lost one yet. Um, you, you really tested that. I'm, I'm yeah. coming real close. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's rough. I, one of the most embarrassing things that happened to me, uh, I was serving at a church in Worcester. And so like Friday, I think it was Friday night, Robin, uh, Robin and I had some friends over and, I forget why, but they asked, they asked if they could uh, give me a pedicure. Right. Uh, so they, um, so I was like, fine, whatever, man. So they give me a pedicure, uh, which was the worst. Like, so I almost kicked them in the face a couple of times cause I was su- I'm super ticklish and, and, and it's just, it's awful. And I have really awkward looking feet. So they, uh, they ended up painting my nails red. And bright red, bright red. And I also like, it's an inner city church. No one really dresses up uh, for church or anything like that. So I just wore Crocs, man, uh, to, to, to church. And then it was that morning. The pastor asked me to, to do the, the opening prayer. So I get up there, man, and I tripped and my croc fell off <laughs> and my croc falls off and there in all their glory are these <laughs> 10 red toes <laughs> uh, in front of the whole congregation, man. It was just so, and like Robin's laughing. I'm, I'm trying to pray and I'm laughing and it was, it was the worst. It was the worst. Robin loves telling that story. She was so proud of herself. Um, yeah. That's awesome. I, it, yeah, and I don't let people touch my like. It's just to, I don't know how people do it. I don't know how people. It's just she's like, oh, isn't it so relaxing? I'm like, I'm no, I'm using all my strength to not kick you in the face because this is 
Yeah, I'm the I'm the opposite. I'm not ticklish, but I have this thing about my toes and toenails that I uh-huh. can't have people really touch them because I feel like I'm just I don't know. It's just like this adverse thing, and I, I sometimes I, I feel like they're gonna like peel the nail back, and there's something about uh-huh. peeling finger and toenails back that just makes uh-huh. me. And so I'm like, J- just don't touch my toes. Just leave my toes and toenails alone. And yeah, Mike, you and I are so much alike. Yeah. Yeah, I'm that's sorry. So how the magic works with us. <laughs> um, so we should probably, because it's already 1.35 <laughs> or 6, we should probably get to the topic, uh, which we're going to, so we're going to talk about Christmas traditions. Um, so I was kind of thinking like we could talk a couple of things about it, like how we got certain traditions, although I didn't really necessarily have the time to do a lot of research on that. But I was thinking we could at least talk about Christmas t- traditions that we would take it or leave it. So, um, so not necessarily getting into the background so much of these traditions, but just saying like, are they things that we, uh, want to person? We're not saying for the church itself, just are, and maybe they are things in your own church traditions that you have, but just things you personally would take it or leave it. So, um, how does that sound, Michael? Done. Okay. So, um, Mike, Christmas trees, take it or leave it. I'll take it. You'll take it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, would you like to expand on that? You know, there's, I mean, I don't like to decorate them, but once they're done, I think it gives a nice little feel for the the festivity of the, of the, Uh of the area. Yeah. I'll take Uh it. Okay. Okay. Do you, do you, do you like decorating the Christmas tree? I don't. Okay. I don't like decorating period. Okay. Um, but once it's done, I I do appreciate the, the, what it does to the ambiance of the season. Mike, I feel the exact same way. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't care less about personally decorating the tree, but I do enjoy like sitting in my recliner when I get home and just like having the, the lights on the tree and, and all that. And just like, sitting back man and enjoying the ambiance i I appreciate it kind of funny last night uh we're laying in bed and uh, i had a really bad headache i've I've been i get bad headaches uh now and again um and have for years and um so robin robin comes to bed and i and i looked at her and i said did you know that we have a christmas tree on our porch and she said she chuckled. She said, yeah, it's been there for like a month. <laughs> and I'm like, I literally just noticed it when I came home. Um, so, so I am not the most observant person when it comes to those things. Uh, but we have a Christmas tree inside. We have one outside. Robin enjoys the decorate. She decorated the day after Halloween. So, wow. Um, we're, the, we're those That's people. Offensive. See, I'll, I'll leave that. Oh, I, dude, all, all the people who are like, save the Christmas music until after thing. What if it brings people joy, if it brings people joy and it's not objectively wrong. And I mean like morally wrong, biblically wrong. Let them have the joy, man. Let them have the joy. Okay. Don't be a, don't be a pooper. You're right, buddy. The elf. You're all right. (laughs) Um, but I don't, I don't care to decorate at all. I, 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 I enjoy Robin doing it. That's it. Yep. Um, okay. Amen and amen. So, uh, 
Christmas gifts. Christmas gifts. Take it or leave it. Leave it. Leave it? You are such a Grinch, man. You're mm. such a Grinch. Why? Why leave uh, It's such a – between the finances, between trying to figure out what to get somebody uh, to, you know, just the – you know, and then if I want to get real spiritual, the the uh, consumerism bent of it, I I, mm-hmm. I I wouldn't be overly upset if we got rid of the gift part of Christmas. Okay, Mister Scrooge, um, I I'm kind of ambivalent, uh, so I could go either like I I like the end result of the Christmas gifts, but I get super stressed out about like one what. Like telling Robin what I want for Christmas is yes. a chore. Like, yes. so, so like she, so here's the thing, right? Let, let me get on my soapbox here for a moment. And Robin's listening. <laughs> uh, I also published an article this morning about, about Christmas and Christmas gifts and whatnot. I have a Christian voices, but um, don't be like, Oh, it's so hard to buy for you. Tell me what you want. And then when I send you something like you, you already have your, so one of the things on my Christmas list is a new Bible. Okay. And I do have, like, I get it. Like I have a problem. I understand. Uh, <laughs> like, I'm not saying, Hey, I, I, I'm not saying I don't have too many Bibles. I get it. I, I probably have, I've got so many. All right. Actually this right over here, I have a whole, I, I'm trying to point to it uh, right there. That's a whole shelf worth of Bibles. I get a ton of them uh, on my desk right here. I have, I got this Bible. I've got uh, this Bible. Uh, I've got a ton of them, man. But I love them. I love the artistry of a handcrafted Bible and, and all this other stuff, right? Um, so, so it's really like most other things I either need or want, I just buy myself. So like trying to and – and I buy it kind of immediately like i go on amazon or i go on christianbook.com i go to wtsbooks.com or, or wherever it might be and i get it uh uh so so holding off and waiting until christmas to get something is kind of painful sometimes perfect example i think it was sunday night or at some point i said to rob i i was looking for i was on amazon looking for the beard conditioner that i use and robin says don't buy beard conditioner i said <laughs> Okay, why? She's like, because you might be getting some for Christmas. And I said, well, Christmas is three weeks away. I don't know how much I have left in, of beard conditioner. I just know it's getting really low in, in the bathroom. Um, and it's something I need for my beard. You like my beard. You want me to keep my beard. I need to keep it. I, I need to keep it looking fresh to death, uh, which is means I got to put the beard conditioner in. So she's like, fine, buy it. So I bought it. Um, okay. So my wife tried to call me out just now saying I love finding gifts for the boys, which I do, but okay. I like doing that throughout the year, <clears throat> not ah, just okay. for Christmas, but it still remains the same. I would buy them the world if I could, but finances reduce that ability. And so and, that's, and that's the stressor on that. Yeah. And, and that's the big thing is, is finance. That's the thing I, I, that's where I go. I'm ambivalent. Like, like I, I enjoy watching the kids open presents. I enjoy Robin opening presents. Um, one of the problems is like I bought I bought most of her Christmas presents on Amazon, and we share an Amazon account so she can see all of it. Um, and she even texted me in the middle of me buying her Christmas presents. 
So, but it is, it can be difficult buying Christmas presents. Like, I feel like it's more difficult when you're married um, because you, it's almost like, man, I could buy this for you the rest of the year or you kind of already have everything you need, you know? So that, that and public opinion makes it sound wrong to like buy your wife a vacuum cleaner or like (laughs) dish drags or like cooking utensils. And yet it's stuff we need. I'll leave that (laughs) one alone, Michael. (laughs) I'll leave. I do think that one year, like either for her birthday or, or for Christmas, Robin's like, Oh, I want, you know, it was either a vacuum cleaner or a shark vac. I don't One of those things, man. Um, (laughs) <laughs> so several years ago I went on Black Friday shopping and I and I really I enjoy Black Friday shopping because I love the chaos. And um <laughs> so and I don't like huge crowds, but oddly enough, at some points in my life, like I've been able to handle them well and and I feel almost at ease in the amid the chaos at 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 at, at um wherever you go shopping for black Friday, but I went past something. I got like Robin, these fuzzy socks for Christmas. I thought they would be, um, I thought they'd be comfortable, warm for her feet and all that stuff. She got these socks for Christmas and she's like, this ain't it, man. (laughs) Like this, this ain't, this ain't the one. Uh, she was not, uh, she was not pleased. So, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, I did get her. So, so Robin's listening. I know that. So the, I did get her Christmas presents that are not in our Amazon cart, not from Amazon. So that there will be some surprise, but uh, yeah. Oh yeah. That was the one I forgot. I forgot. So Robin saw me at the store at Walmart and saw those in the cart and said, yeah, don't get those. So, <laughs> if, and we if didn't wanna- go there together. If you want a future with me, you will put those back. <laughs> <laughs> so one year, one year I got her a, pa- so you ever hear those ads for the pajama grams or pajama? Uh, yeah. So, um, so one year, you know, like I'm listening to the radio and this is how advertising works. Like they keep saying, Oh, your wife's going to like these pajama grams and black. I don't know anything, man. I'm an idiot. So, so I get these pajama grams so not only did she hate the pajamas, okay? Like she just found them to be ugly. They were also like too they 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 weren't the correct size. Let's put it that way. <laughs> That's why and I if will you're, not buy my so, wife clothing. Right. So <laughs> and if you're if you're a man, if you're a husband, um it's never a good idea I think to buy clothes for your for your your significant other. Um guys I don't think care so much. But you're because you're either going to get too small or too big. And it's just it's never it never works out. So I just stay out of it. I've learned now. Mm. But she got these and she like kind of laughed like, what the heck is wrong with you? And they were like incredibly expensive. But I'm telling you, (laughs) the guy on the radio told me that this is what all the wives want, man. So I did it. And and it was the it was one of the top 10 worst things I ever bought. Um, So. So it is stressful. It is stressful. And uh, Mark Wolfington said, check her closet when she's in the shower. That's how you know the size. Mark, I'm not taking those chances, man. I'm not. Hey, different brands run different scales and and sizes. And I will say, though, Erica does a nice thing where she'll like 
put specifically what she wants on like her Amazon wish list and it has the size there. So it's not as difficult, but to just go to the store or to buy something that without her direct input, non-starter, not happening. Yeah. Stressful. It's like just thinking about it. My, I can feel my blood pressure (laughs) increasing. Uh, So gifts, take it or leave it. Listen, man, I, I, I want to take it with the caveat that I really do like, we have to be cognizant of this. So I'm not saying don't buy your kids nice things. Okay. I'm not, I'm not saying that one bit, but dude, I was, I was the kid in school, man, that everyone would talk about. Like I go over my buddy's houses and they'd have the new Xbox and have this and that. And like, here I am still playing on a system a year older and, and all like my clothes were hand me down clothes. And until I got to a certain age, um, like it, it, if you're going to get your kids nice stuff, teach them not to be jerks. You know? Amen. Um, so, Amen. Yeah. I'm going to put and... that on my Facebook status. <laughs> Are you going to quote me too? I'm going to quote you. I'm going to quote you. <laughs> teach your kids not to be jerks. How about just teach your kids not to be jerks? Yeah, yeah, that too. Um, oh, that reminds me of a story. Can I, I – we've kind of been all over the place for this episode, so I don't feel so bad. Um, but I, I got a haircut this morning, and – um, I was sitting and I was talking with my barber. We, we were having a great conversation about the importance of dads and the lights of, of kids, of sons specifically. And he was saying he had a kid come in for a haircut a couple of years ago. Uh, kid comes in for a haircut, maybe eight years old. And um, he kept mouthing off to his mom. And his mom comes up to him. The barber kind of takes a step back. And uh, so that they can, she can kind of say whatever she has to privately. Cause he's like, listen, it's none of my business. I'm just the guy who cuts the hair. So um, she whispers something in his, in the kid's ear and cut and like steps back and the kid spits in his mom's face. And uh, my barber, his name's Biff. Um, great dude, man. Great dude. And he says, uh, he says, I told, I took the, you know, the cape or whatever you call it. I took that off of him. I took the stuff. I took everything off of him, told him to get up off my chair. And I said, uh, no need to pay me. Your haircut's over. And, uh, he, the kid looks at him. The mom looks at him and says, you have, like you're halfway done. He, he was doing a high fade on the kid. He only had like, like back here. He only had back here done. There was still like hair on the sides and all. It just looked super jacked up the way he was describing and he said, uh, your haircut might not be done, but it's not going to be done here. It's not going to be finished here. You can go somewhere else. Um, but I'm not, I have very few, very few rules in my barbershop. He's the owner of it. And he said, um, we show respect to people. Um, we talk about all kinds of things in this barbershop. We talk about politics, religion, nothing, hardly anything's off limits as long as you can be um, kind and respectful towards other people. And we especially do not allow for disrespect towards women and your mother you are not getting your hair cut here and um he said he reached into his pocket gave the mother twenty dollars and said you can go get a haircut across town um and uh he said you know the mom was just shocked the kid was shocked and then the dad later on called up the barbershop uh that day and apologized for the actions of this kid so um yeah, we need to teach kids not to be jerks. Because mm. I'm surprised he like we're in the South, man. 
I'm surprised the barber didn't rear back and give that kid a smack across the face. Mm-hmm. You know, like that, like I, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been surprised like that. That is next level, uh, next level stuff. But yeah. Anyway, sorry for wow. that tangent. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, okay. So we got Christmas presents. we got Christmas trees. Um, Santa Claus. Uh, leave them. I actually, a few years ago, got some people I put on Facebook, just the general, like, just remember, Santa's not real. Don't let your kids get caught up in the whole, you know, Santa is more important than Jesus thing. And I couldn't tell you how many Christians were offended thinking that I was saying, like, judging them for teaching Santa or whatever. And I'm like, go ahead and teach him Santa. Just make sure that he doesn't outshine Jesus. Mm-hmm. Which that's all, that's all I which want. is what hap- which is what happens during Christmas time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, uh, undoubtedly. Yeah. So, so I'd, I'd say I'd say leave him because it's hard to balance. Like mm-hmm. we have told our children, Santa's not real. That he was a mm-hmm. real person, Saint Nicholas, punching Arians, yada yada yada. You know, and yet, but there's something in my kids that they want Santa to be real, mm-hmm. and that's because they're little. They're little. You know, I love them, but they're little balls of want stuff cool stuff and the fun of magical uh gifts appearing from someone uh but anyway uh yeah no i i'd, I'd be okay with ditching santa Claus. so i'm going to shock a lot of people with this one um this is one i want to provide more nuance on so uh, at one time i was i was ardently against santa claus in fact i think we did an episode on it last year Mm-hmm. And, um, but I recently read an article and I might've read it before, but I, I guess I reread it because it was recently po- reposted through TGC, mm-hmm. um, written by Kevin DeYoung talking about the origins of St. Nicholas. Yep. And, uh, that article gave me a greater appreciation for St. Nicholas mm-hmm. and, and who he was, um, and kind of how the real person has been mythologized and how that's changed. But, I look at it and go, there are some really positive things that we can take from the story of St. Nicholas that I think are helpful and can help, um, I think, uh, uh, shine an even greater light on why we celebrate Christmas. So, um, you know, certainly St. Nicholas would not have been, not, would not have wanted to be celebrated during the Christmas season. But I think that what St. Nicholas did historically um, absolutely shine the light on who Jesus is. And, and I think that we can, we can appreciate that. We can celebrate that work and in, in who Nick was. But um, so for that reason, I think that there, there is some value, but not in the way that we currently do it. Mm-hmm. And I say that, and I think it's this Saturday, Robin is having me come to her work and I'm dressing up as Santa Claus to sit down and people can take pictures with uh, of their of their animal with Santa Claus. Are you going to be putting a white beard on or just using your No, brown that one? was my condition. I, I said I'm not dyeing my beard and I'm not wearing a white beard. It's either redheaded uh redheaded Santa Claus or no Santa Claus. So see I'm I really hope you put some of that beard glitter or beard bobbles no. in your beard please please mm. for no the kids. for no. the kids no 
It's not for kids. It's for animals, dude. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think I, I, so I've softened in my position. Maybe it's been my, I mean, I'm a year older, a year wiser, but um, I no, think I, 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 I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yeah. I think if you, if you center Christmas around Chris Kringle, Santa Claus, St. Nicholas, whoever that is, I think you're wrong. And I think that you're setting your kids up for failure moving forward. Um, but if you center, if you center the Christmas season on Christ and you talk about St. Nicholas, because it's just part of our culture, it's part of, um, it's a historical part of the Christian faith. Like this is a real historical figure. Um, and try to like appreciate the myths. Cause I think that there can be some joy in mythologizing some stuff, but also getting to the truth, like, Hey, this is what we do know of St. Nicholas. And this is why he's important. And Oh, by the way, he was an ardent defender of the Christian faith and the divinity of Jesus. I think that's great. I think that's mm -hmm. wonderful. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so there's that other, what other kinds of Christmas traditions? Oh, um, well, I mean, there's things around like the whole Santa thing, like, you know, putting out cookies and things of that. But, um, how about midnight mass? Like the, the Netflix show? <laughs> Is that what we're talking about? No, the Roman Catholic <laughs> practice of going to mass oh. at midnight on Christmas Eve. Oh, okay. Um, that was my next one. Erica has my next one that I was going to ask. Yeah. So uh, I'm not Roman Catholic. So I've been to a midnight mass one time, but I completely forgot because I honestly, I was drunk for it. Um, this was years ago. Like I was like just post high school. Uh, like I, I went, like, I think I was home for Christmas and I had a couple of buddies, one of, one of which was Roman Catholic, one of which was Episcopalian, which he described as being, uh, just like Roman Catholicism, but half the guilt. So we went with my buddy to his Roman Catholic mass, but like we had just, uh, we had just like left the bar. <laughs> so, so like, I really don't remember, remember, remember much of it, but, um, maybe I'll go this year. Maybe I'll go to a midnight mass to, to kind of see see what it's like um i want to i want to go to more i want to go like go to other services whether it's roman catholic lutheran presbyterian whatnot just to kind of see firsthand how some of these more liturgical um churches practice but anyway what, what about you uh, I, no, I, I'm kind of on the same place. I've only been to one and, uh, and th there's something to be s said to, you know, going and having worship. I mean, we do our, I mean, we're not doing midnight mass, but we do our Christmas Eve services. Um, and so I don't think that's any different, just a different time of the day, so mm -hmm. to speak. But I think, I think it's good to try to draw us back in the midst of the, the, you know, the family traditions of, of Christmas mm -hmm. to remember that this is because of Christ. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Uh, so what about nativity scenes, Mike? <laughs> I'm good with them. I like them. I, I, I'm interested to hear your, your opinion, you iconoclast you. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so, 
Yeah, yeah. I um, Mike jokes. I'm an, an iconoclast. I'm not. I'm not big on depicting or supposed depictions of Jesus. I do believe it's a a, a violation of the second commandment. Um, so every time someone posts what you know and says, "Hey, this is Jesus," uh, when it's actually you and McGregor from Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I just, but the the scene so the historic nativity scene it's also not historically accurate uh Mm -hmm. so like if you look at the gospels and you reconcile that with what we see there um it's not accurate but i also understand like taking um artistic license too so i i think it's i think it's the problem with the taking of an artistic license in match in creating the nativity scene, if you know that it's not accurate, fine, whatevs. But if you, if you're essentially, my caution is that you could be teaching yourself and those around you that this is what actually happened, which is not the case. So, um, you know, the people that showed up to the birth of Jesus aren't the people that are depicted in the nativity. It's just, it's not, you know, um, I, I just, I get uncomfortable with that. I, I do. And I get more uncomfortable with that than I do with Santa Claus, because if you're presenting Santa Claus as, as, uh, Hey, we know this is a myth. You know, we know that this is, um, this isn't really Christian. This is just kind of like a cultural thing. Cool. Like I, I'm, I'm more harsh with things that claim to be Christian and portray themselves to be Christian than I am with things that are not Christian and are not trying to portray themselves as Christian. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So um, if you're saying this is a Christian thing, uh, we'll make it accurate to the Christian scriptures. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's my, that's, that's my two cents. Um, because I, I don't want to, like, this is why people have to de- end up deconstructing the faith, right? Is they're trying to get to what what is the true Christian yeah. faith? What do the scriptures say? Not these cultural, like, uh, almost like ornaments on the Christmas tree, to use a, <laughs> a seasonal app, uh, or illustration, is that we've hung all of these, these cultural uh, things onto the Christmas tree of, of the Christian faith and pretended that it is actually the Christian faith, which it is not. So right. um, mm-hmm. I just want to be careful about that. And I'm not saying get rid of your, your nativity scene far from it, but if you can tell the difference between what the nativity scene uh, is, how you've presented it and, and what's presented in the gospel, fine. If that glorifies the Lord, um, I don't know about having a little baby Jesus in there, but Hey, you know, if you want to violate the same commandment in your home, uh, have at it. So. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Is that it? I mean, it's, I'm sure you, there's there's others. Um, what about what about what are you guys going to eat for for Christmas? You guys are you guys going to have it at your house and and. Well, yeah, actually, good question. I haven't talked to my wife about that. We usually do the big Christmas with her family, and we're going to have to postpone that to the Monday after because people's schedules and shift work and such. But normally we kind of do a little bit of 
everyone brings a little something to share. Um, I'm not quite sure what this year is going to be. So, but yeah, I don't know what we're going to do as a family on actual Christmas day for, for food. Um, yeah. Sometimes, uh, sometimes it's Tuche pie. A what? Um, Tuche pie, which is this meat pie, which I, it's a, it's French Canadian type of thing, I think. And it's not very, I don't think it's very good, but some people up here absolutely love it. Um, but, uh, yeah. And then other years it's been like a brisket, it's a sour broughton, you know, it's, it depends. French Canadian pork pie is what Tuche pie is. Oh, and then some people love, and then there's also a, a, a mincemeat pie that people love. It's almost like a dessert meat pie. That that's even worse than Tuche pie because Tuche pie comes with a gravy that you can put over it. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, mincemeat pie, man, I don't know why anybody would eat that. So I I've never had any kind of meat pie because it sounds disgusting. Mm -hmm. It just sounds it just sounds gross. Now if that's your thing, if that's your bag, if you like meat pies, hey, I'm not judging you. Enjoy it and like fun. But to me, it does just does not sound appetizing. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm out on, I'm out on the meat pie. Yeah. Erica's mom makes a good Tuche pie, which, which I do like, especially with the gravy, but mince, I, I haven't met a mince meat pie that I like. <laughs> uh, yeah. <clears throat> but I mean, you wouldn't, you wouldn't say that about all meat pie. Cause you, you, you probably like a chicken pot pie or a turkey pie. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. 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 Chicken pot pie, shepherd's pie. I'm, I'm down. I'm down with that for sure. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what we're going to have. We, for the first couple of years, I believe we, that we're down here in North Carolina, we went to a, um, a church member's house for Christmas. And, and so we'd have whatever they had. So mm -hmm. I forget what the first year was, but the second year it was, no, the first year was frog legs. So we had frog legs. That was kind of the main, main course. And then the second year was, Oh goodness, Robin maybe can chime in and remind me. But kind of the main event was we'd go out out back and shoot some guns. Uh, it nice. was pretty fun. Yeah, yeah, man. So we called it frog legs and firearms. There you go. I forget what we did the second year. The second year, um, we didn't have frog legs because I think they were hard to come by that year. So um, but I'm kind of thinking this year I'd kind of like to do something small and maybe smoke something. Uh, so we did a smoked turkey a couple of weeks ago for Thanksgiving and it came out tremendous. So, oh yeah, it was ri ribs and rifles was the second year. Oh, so, nice. Yeah, man. Yeah. So I have um, a smoking meat and smoking clay pigeons. <laughs> no, we just, it was just target shooting. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, traditionally we always had ham. Ham mm -hmm. and then so we'd have ham and then my grandma would also make uh, lasagna. Oh, so I love I love, I love lasagna too. It's my yeah. favorite food. Uh, I'm like Garfield the cat, man. I could eat lasagna all day. Mm. Ricotta um, cheese. Yeah. Mm. Last night I told Robin, I said, you know, I could really, go, <laughs> I said I could really go for stuffed shells. Mm. So you know what Robin? You know what Robin says? She starts listing off all the food that we, that we have in the refrigerator. Now it's like eight, nine o'clock at night, and, and I looked at her. I said, 
not like right now. I mean, sometime soon. Like, make, you know, I just could go for some stuffed shells. Um, it's so good, man. Yeah. yeah. Um, Palma said that she likes to bake steak or baked steak in gravy with potatoes. That's that, that sounds so really good. good. That sounds yeah. real good. Um, Palma, who uh, everybody knows, she's uh, a longtime viewer of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, recently lost her husband, uh, Ed, who's a longtime pastor in our denomination. So, Palma, I just want you to know I've been praying for for you and your family, um, and and pray that um, the Lord's comfort comes uh, comes over you. And, and thankful for Ed's work in our denomination, his dedication to the Lord, and your dedication as well. Um, and knowing that he's resting easy and that soon day, uh, someday soon we will see him in eternity as we worship Jesus together. Amen. Yeah. Uh, Mike, you got anything else before we uh, cut out? No, I think I'm good. I think I'm so, so meat pies where I leave it. We are leaving meat pie. Yeah. Specifically mince meat pie. We need to leave that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well enjoy your, your French Canadian pork pie. (laughs) um so until next time uh mike and i are probably going to talk we don't i don't know if we'll be on next week or not but sometime soon we're probably going to take a a few weeks off and uh kind of rest recuperate and uh and all that so god bless you if we don't see you next week if you don't see us if we don't see you before christmas may the lord bless your time together as a family and may he be glorified in your midst amen The season.